never, ever stop connecting with people and never stop helping people. It doesn't take any of your effort or time to just connect somebody with somebody you know that will help them in the future. Hello and welcome back to the Kelly Lundberg podcast. Happy New Year. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert who is on a personal mission. Same one as last year, but with even more of an impact. I want to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, to do something different and just show up as the best person that they aspire to be. I want to know, are you one of my five a day this year? If you are, drop me a DM. Come and say hi on Instagram. Send me a direct message and let me know what episode you've loved, what's had the biggest impact, what are your goals for 2022. I want to know all about it. So in this episode, I want you to do something a little bit different. And I have taken four of the top listened podcasts and I've shared some of the best bits because I'm so fortunate that I get to speak to so many inspiring women. You know, I love the quote and I love the feeling of inspiring women um, out there. There's just such a common theme which is running through all of these um, episodes. So I've shortlisted the snippets, inspiration, um, action that you can take to grow your personal brand and business and just enhance your, your personal life as well. Um, We've kicked off with Noor Hibbert, who's actually just released a new book since we've recorded this. Her episode is all about manifesting uh, wealth, changing your mindset. And where we pick up on is where we talk about manifesting her book deal, a TEDx talk, and really just what it takes to enjoy life and the goals that you set. What's one thing that you've manifested that you've been like, uh, that you not didn't think would happen, but, but really surprised you in the sense of, I know this 100% works? Um. Oh my God. So many things <laughs> that I literally be all day. But let me just give you a couple. So, um, you know, I wrote on, in 2017, I was in Los Angeles and Los Angeles is like my soul home. Um, I really feel like in a past life, I must've been there, but and I was, I was there and I wrote down on a list. I was at an event. I wrote down on a list. I want to do, get a book deal. I want to get a TEDx talk. And bear in mind, like I just started my business. So I was literally like a nobody. Uh, no one knew me. I didn't have, you know, about 10 followers, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to write down these things that I want. Literally within two weeks, I get a phone call out the blue from someone at, um, who was running a TEDx event. Someone had dropped out and someone had recommended me and they were like, would, would you be up for doing it? <laughs> 48 hours. I was like, whoa. So that was like, okay, maybe coincidence, right? Then I, um, and then I was like, right, I want to get a book deal. And, um, you know, against all of the odds, against all the rejections, I ended up getting a book deal with one of the top three biggest publishers in the, you know, in the, in the country, the top three with Hachette. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a story that literally, like, even when I tell it every single time, it gives me goosebumps. Back in um, June, 2017, I was walking around New York City. I was, I just held an event there, which was a dream. And I was listening to Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass. Oh, I love that book. I tell so many of those I mentor to listen to. It's a great book. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to it on Audible and I was in my heart, like, I was like, oh my God, like, I want to write a book. 
that makes me feel the way that Jen is making me feel. <laughs> and I felt like I already kind of knew that my style of writing, the way that I conversed was quite similar to her. And I, in the privacy of my own heart and my own head, I said to myself, I want to be like the UK Jensen chair. Like I want to be the British Jensen chair. And obviously I'd never said that out loud to anybody else because number one, that's fucking cringy. And number two, it's like, you know, you don't want to be like anybody else, right? So I've got to get it in my own little head. And fast forward to, this is June, 2017. Fast forward to March the 3rd, 2018. I get an email from my agent who says to me, Hachette, I've just offered you a book deal. Here's the email. And she'd emailed them in the morning. She had never in the history of book deals has anybody ever gotten back to me so quickly and offered someone a book deal and show me the email. And my jaw hit to the floor. It was, it said, we are Jensen Charo's UK publisher and we have been looking for the British version and we truly believe that Norm. <laughs> love it, love it. I literally, I, I literally read this and I, I can't even see that they were like, we've been looking for a British kind of version and we really believe Nor could be it. I, you know, I, there was no fucking debating anymore. There's something out there was listening to me. And then with my third daughter, I, I was like, I'm going to have a home birth. It's going to be on the weekend. My mother-in-law is going to be there because she's not been at any of the births of my grandchildren. My kids are going to be asleep upstairs. I'm going to give birth downstairs. And I planned it all out. And literally every single thing happened. Yeah, my kids are upstairs asleep. I gave birth downstairs. My mother-in-law was there. It was the weekend. And it was funny because after I gave birth and I was on my sofa and the, the midwife says to me, oh gosh, um, you're, you're bleeding a bit. And I, I think you have to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, 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 no. That wasn't in the plan. She said, what plan? I went, the plan. I mean, everything else has come to fruition. Like that's like, you know, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm, I'm not going to need stitches. Like, that's not happening. And she was like, I'm really sorry, but I can't stop the bleeding. So I'm like, fucking hell. Like I got, got in the ambulance. They took me to the hospital and I got to the hospital and the doctor went, you're not bleeding. You don't need stitches. And I was like, <laughs> I, told her, I told her it wasn't in the plan. You shouldn't believe me. Um, but it was really funny because even the night before I gave birth to Mira, I was 37 weeks pregnant and I was in my kitchen and I just had this strong intuition. I'm going to go into labor. And my mother-in-law was actually going out to a wedding and she was going to get drunk. So I was like, fuck, do I tell her? Like, don't go just in case. Like, that's crazy. I can't tell her, oh, I've got a gut feeling. Don't go to the wedding. It was also her birthday. Don't go out on your birthday. Don't go to your friend's wedding. <laughs> because I have a hunch. So I literally stood in my kitchen and looked up at the sky and I was like, right, universe. I don't know, I was looking up at the sky. Right, universe. I need you to show me a purple butterfly. I need to, I need to show me a butterfly if I am going to go in labor tonight because I just need to know if this gut feeling is right. Anyway, so... We've gone to have um, dinner and I've, I've got a salad and a little bit of red onion falls on the side of the, the table. My, and I, I went to pick it up. My, my daughter went, no, mommy, don't move my butterfly. <laughs> I, look, I look at Richard and I always teach this to people, like sometimes the symbols aren't actually um, the like, actual thing. Liter literal. So I took a photo of this fucking piece of red onion, sent it to my agent. And I said, if I go into labor tonight, I've just, you know, I've just asked for a sign, da, da, da. And I've got this whole message and that photo on my phone. I always share it with my, my people because I to prove to them this story is real. And I sent it to my agent. I went, if I go into labor tonight, I swear to God, I will never, ever, 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 ever doubt 
anything about the universe ever again, like not even one speck. And um, I look at my husband, who obviously like thinks I'm actually crazy still. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's a red onion, no, it's not a butterfly. And we finished dinner. I stand up, boom, my fucking waters break right there and then. Um, oh, wow. On the, what a story. On the, on the living room floor. And I looked at him and I went, don't ever tell me the universe doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was obviously. And I literally messaged my agent five minutes later. And she thought I was completely taking the piss that I, my waters had broken, you know. She, and I was like, I, I swear to God. She was like, this has to go in the book. I was like, of course it has to go in the book. But, um. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like stories you asked me, I mean, literally I have so many more like that. It's unbelievable. But those three, I definitely think are ones that always stick to my head. Next up is Tash Hapital. Now she's the founder of the leading PR agency, Tish Tash. And I work really closely with Tash and her agency when it comes to building my personal brand and business growth. And we sit down and actually catch up about a lot. She's a really good friend of mine. And we talk a lot about global domination on how our businesses can help, inspire and take impact. So not only is she a great friend, but she's got great business advice as well. So in this episode, sharing how PR can help grow your business, your personal brand and the mistakes not to make. Do I really need it? What is it? And then we can take it from there. One of the yeah greatest challenges that we have as well is obviously, you know, I mean, PR is definitely evolving. What it used to be, what it is now is very different. Um, people's interpretation of what PR is varies. And so sometimes, you know, when our job, when people come to us, like you say, is like, you know, we have to work out if really PR is what they want and need. So, and I think, you know, actually at the education side of things is kind of, you know, um, you know, a big side of things for us. Um, because I mean, PR generally, you know, it, it can be used for many different reasons. You know, it really does depend on what you need, but ultimately it is about visibility. It is about building a brand, um, be that for a service, a product or a person. And it is about, you know, getting that person out there in front of their right target audience, you know, to achieve whatever goals that that person business wants to, you know, for some, Um, We have a lot of people come to us and obviously they've got a new product or a service. Maybe it's new to the market. Maybe it's kind of established globally and they need to build awareness in the Middle East. So it's about getting um, that brand into the hands of media influencers. So through them, we reach their target audience. You know, some um, businesses, you know, they, uh, you know, want in the future, they need to have or they want to have investment. And so they have to build up in terms of credibility and awareness for their business. They need to get a profile in the media, business media, consumer media. Because obviously when people, you know, the angel investors or investment companies look to invest, that what's the first thing they do? Like everybody, they Google and, you know, see, you know, what's written about those brands and companies. So there's lots and lots of reasons why, you know, people um, would, you know, want PR. But I think, you know, there's lots of kind of, you know, uh, I think daily Polly and I deal with challenges around what PR is, what it can deliver. You know, it's like, you know, you're not going to, uh, I think Polly's probably got kind of a lot to say here as well, particularly she spearheads all of our new business. But, you know, you know, PR is not going to change your business overnight. And that's the one thing I say to everybody, you know, if you want more Instagram followers or which, uh, you know, PR is probably not going to do that. You're best spending your money elsewhere. And we tell people really honestly that PR is probably not what they need at this time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Polly, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> 
thoughts? No, I think um, I was actually just writing an article about this this morning. But essentially, I think, of course, everybody cares about sales more than they care about anything. You know, bottom line, how they're going to make money. And I think a lot of, you know, people that are new to the business or have their own small businesses come in and think that as a PR agency, we are going to change their life and we're going to increase their sales by 500%. Um, and we really wish we could do that. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, again, as Tash said, it's an education exercise because we we can't do that. We can't solely be responsible for um, increasing sales for a business. And ultimately, before you can even think about increasing sales, you need to get all your building blocks in place. And one of those building blocks is awareness, people knowing what you're what you are and what you stand for. And then after that, also feeling like what you stand for is what they stand for and therefore they're going to want to buy your product. So I think, unfortunately, people think that PR can be a bit of a magic wand and it just takes a couple of weeks. And sadly, that's not, you know, it is a long-term investment in a PR agency. Well, do you normally work with people? Is it a minimum of three months? Is it a minimum of six months? Like, what do you find? Because everything in life is about consistency, you know, whether it's consistency from posting, consistency in the marketplace. What have you found that's been a bit of a sweet spot for people? Generally, um, you know, the minimum we would do for anybody is three months. Yeah. Um, um, generally, we'd say you need at least six, 12 months to really sort of step change in terms of awareness and actually see a difference in your business. But so what we would generally find is most people, particularly when they're not work with you before they're new to PR, they want to do three months just to feel comfortable with you. And then usually, you know, they um, renew and go on to longer contracts. You know, I mean, most of our, a lot of our clients, you know, we've had for four years, eight years, nine years even still. So, you know, and they get that it is a, it's a journey as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, your brand story and your brand message will always change over time. And that's why you need an agency to be there telling your story. Ultimately, we are storytellers. It's kind of like a glorified sales job. We're there to kind of promote you. But ultimately, it's about telling the right stories. And you can't tell one story and then disappear and, and expect that to be enough. So it's a tricky one. But I think, you know, yes, ultimately, we would want every client to sign up for 12 months and to carry on because that's where you're going to see the long term changes and the growth that you need and the sales that you need. But unfortunately, especially in this market at the moment, a lot of people don't have those budgets. And as Tash said, we're always really honest as well. We have a lot of small businesses that come to us and say, I need PR. And like you said, Kelly, once they understand what PR really is, they kind of go, oh, okay, is that what I need? You know, maybe I should be investing my money in digital ads or my social media or, you know, whatever that might be. So I think it's really important for a PR agency in this day and age as well to be transparent with people. So I think it's all too easy to take someone's money because they say they want a PR agency and then, you know, it's, it never works out the way they want and you have an unhappy client, which nobody nobody wants. I'm so grateful that so many of the women in business that I know have actually gone on to become amazing friends. And Yvonne Corbett is another longtime friend and owner of Turing Castle. And she is a prolific networker. So if you want to grow your business, grow your network, then listen to what her tips are on her favorite tool, which is LinkedIn, why it works for her growing a business, connecting with really high net worth, um, wealthy clients, hear her tips and suggestions that you can implement in 2022. The whole notion of hospitality and not just in Scotland, but 
I'm not a hotelier. And I came back naively thinking I could conquer the world and I could just, oh, I'll just set up a, a wedding venue. Because I think you gain confidence from from just trying little things as you go and, and learning and certain things I'd done overseas had been a success. So then you just sort of gain momentum. And so this little, we call it a little eye of the storm, probably Turin, because what happens at Turin is so different to any other venue. And it's quite a hard thing to talk about until you come and experience it. And and that's kind of how I sell it when I'm talking to, to buyers and clients. Oh, and you've, you mean, I have to say, you've always been an amazing host, even from when we've just popped rounds. Like Yvonne's always got cupcakes or muffins ready and iced. And, you know, you, you're an amazing host. And that comes a lot with, you know, having to host people in all these different countries and then you're back. But, you know, hosting and, and really offering that amazing service that you do. Um, like I remember you telling me once we were on a plane. I can't remember where we were going. And you told me about the the six chaps that had come and stayed, and and it. Oh, made, yeah. And I love that story. And you'd said the the six guys, and I may tell it wrong, but the six guys had an amazing time. And at the end, you were going, you know, did you have fun? You know, blah blah. Have you forgotten anything? And they were like, no, 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 we've got everything. And then you were like, but what about gifts for your children and your spouse? It was right, wasn't it? And you yeah, had gone. Yeah behind the scenes, spoken to the PA, organized gifts for all the family, and it was just there for them to take out. Yeah, yeah. They were flying. The reason was they it was an incentive trip. Uh, they came from the East Coast to the US, and they were flying private. So the jet was waiting for them, and I knew that they weren't even going to go through the airport terminal. And they'd, they'd been fishing, hunting, uh, golfing, they had the time of their lives. If you were going to do a week in Scotland, they did it, like did it to death. And, and they, we loved having them. And the more I got to know them, I kind of listened. When they came back, they were talking about their wives and their children. And I had a really good relationship with the PA, which is what it's about. It's not about opening the door and welcoming guests. It's at children, it's like, it's not intrusive. We want to know what your favorite music is. What, you know, who are you as a person? How can we do something that costs nothing, tweak something, like have your favorite song playing when you walk through the door? Something like that. And, and these guys could not believe that I had bought all these gifts for them. And I'd wrap them and I'd put their children's names on them. And everything was returnable. So there was no cost. And I said, you don't have to take these. However, I strongly suggest you do. And they were just like, we can't believe you did this. And immediately had this guilt complex of we didn't think of our families because we were having too much fun. <laughs> so off they went onto the private jet with their little bags and, and definitely got brownie points when they got home. But that doesn't cost anything. Hospitality doesn't have to be an upsell. It should be a, how did we think out of the box for these people and just make it, make it better? I think that all goes back to our lives living abroad as well, because mm. your life as an expat 
was always about helping people and connecting. And that came from all these years having to move countries and start again. Um, and I think that changes you as a person. I've always been a people person, but I think to have the challenges of being dropped in a country knowing no one with little or no support and having to say, okay, well, at the school gates, thankfully I'm going to meet people that have got children my age or when the kids, as they grew up, it was more about you know business connections and, and, and what could you do to keep yourself busy? Mm. I guess people are probably listening um, to this now and going like oh, brilliant stories, love it. But how do you start working with those kind of clients? It's not like you you launched this venue and you had a database of people. Like, I mean, you've had to build that up over seven years and the reputation. Like, where do you find clients that want that kind of experience? Like, what, what's been your journey to, to growing the business from a marketing perspective? Well, it's funny because probably my biggest fault is trying to do everything myself and I'll, mm. I'll take that on board. But I don't think anyone markets their, their, their own company like the owner because the passion is intense when it's your business. We, we are a family business. My son's in the business as well. Um, and I didn't actually realize he studied engineering, but then he started to see what I was doing and thought, oh, actually, that looks like fun. So he's now fully ingrained in the business. And the reason, you know, I'm talking about Alex is I took him to a networking event, which I find is very important because you need to network with the buyers and, and, and meet the people because they will remember you as a family, as we are. But it was only at a networking event that I realized that my son was actually so like me when it came to people. And I'd never realized it before. But you're either a people person or you're not. I love meeting people, probably, as you can tell, I love to talk. One <laughs> will find someone anywhere. And I remember on another flight, we were flying somewhere and we were all separated. Or I think you were separated. Do you remember? We were going Budapest or something. And then by the end of the flight, you'd planned this guy's wedding for him. And I know. I almost actually sold a wedding here. It turned out the guy, I always think you're two people away from the person you need. And, and I find that I have, everybody's got a joke about you can put me in an airport anywhere in the world and I will find someone that I know or that I'm connected to. It's the most bizarre thing. I travel a lot myself. I love it. Um, my husband travels nonstop, so sometimes he doesn't want to travel for leisure so much. But, but I think networking and how do I get the clients? Basically, um, I never stop networking. Um, I help people myself. I'm in this business for the long game. I connect people constantly. Because I just feel like if you do the right thing at the right time, it's going to come back and you'll get karma, as they say. And I, I strongly believe that, that, that if you do the right thing throughout everything, and obviously we've all been challenged and I don't, I'm not going to touch on what we're all going through just now. But networking is massive for me and I spend probably 25% of my day networking.
finally, in this fun four-piece mashup, I speak to Lindsay Doran. Now, she has got a hugely inspiring story setting up El Couture, her active wear collection. Uh, and this just happened in 2020. And the brand now has two standalone boutiques in Dubai, has been seen on top A-list celebrities, and it's been in every fashion magazine that I picked up and fitness magazine. Enjoy this episode. I know you're going to find it super inspiring about, you know, how all the answers are out there. Listen to what Lindsay's got to say. I was spending so much money all the time. I was living in the gym because at that point I wasn't working. I thought I'm going to take like a year's gap and just find out what I want to do. I still want to go into private flying. I can go into private flying. I didn't think I would do anything to do with, you know, fitness or anything like that. I was still new to the gym. So, yeah, I was just buying clothes all the time, constantly. And about six months in, uh, I was just having a chat with my husband. And I said, you know, I just feel like I want to do something to do with fitness. I'm bored now. I haven't worked in six months. This is not normal. <laughs> I need to go and do something. But I just don't know what I want to do. I said, but I'd really like to do something, you know, to do with fitness. And he was like, well, all the money you spend on activewear, you'd be better just bringing out your own clothes, just kind of like a joke. And I thought, actually, maybe I could do that. So that night I started researching. I spent months researching YouTube, just Google, how to find factories, how to start a business. I was just watching everybody's, you know, uh, talks about how to, how to start, how to find the factories, how to find the materials. So then I booked a flight to China to go on my own. And that was it. I, I think it was kind of like something that I thought is going to be a little bit of a side side job and I would get, you know, maybe something in an office or a private flying job. But then when I actually went to China and I met, um, I must have set up like 12 meetings with factories. When I went to um, the first factory, I just thought, oh, wow a huge factory with over a thousand workers there, a huge showroom. I just thought, oh, wow, no, this is where people who are starting brands come to. This wasn't just a cheap factory in China that I'd um, chosen to come for my first um, meeting. So it was from then when I sat down and I saw, I brought my designs. I got a, a girl to sketch who, she just sketches on the side, she's a designer paid her some money. She sketched me what I had in my head and I took those designs. And when they told me, oh, this is the minimum orders, it was in the thousands. And I thought, what? How am I going to customize, you know, activewear, thousands of pieces where I don't even have a, a, a brand? This is just an idea in my head. So that was the start when I was like, right, okay, I don't think you can really do this. If you want to customize product, you have to make, you have to put in those big orders. You have to buy your fabric up front. So I think that was a big eye opener for me. And that's when I kind of thought, okay, do I want to do this? Just like an Instagram, small side hustle, you know, buy product that's already on the market, put a logo on it. I thought, no, I need to be, I want to be different. I have to make this because the reason why I wanted to do it was because there were certain things about, you know, a leg and I would love the fabric, but they would push on my, my glutes and make your glutes like a pancake, things like that. Or the waistband would be too high or the leggings would be like the wrong uh, length. 
So it was just all small, small details that I just thought, this is kind of thing, something that I feel is missing. So after I came back from China, I just said to my husband, I said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to put in these orders. I've, they've got my designs. Obviously, it's a huge risk. It was a lot of, it was basically all of my savings. And I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. I've got a good feeling about it. And I feel like by that time when, you know, by the time it launched and I'd got my final samples, I just knew I had a good feeling. I just thought, I feel like this is really going to pay off. I know it wasn't going to be, you know, quick and I know it takes time, but I just thought the fit and the fabric, I just thought I, that's what I have experience in. I just thought I'm going to go for it. So that's when it kind of all started. And then it's just been amazing since then, really. Okay, so we'll develop a little on from that. So I just want to rewind a little bit because so many people have that sort of throwaway comment and not that it was a throwaway comment necessarily, but you know, when a, a partner or a friend goes, do you know what, you should turn that into a business and people go, yeah, yeah right. And then they do nothing with it. So, you know, talk me through that moment because then then there's like loads of self-doubt. Well, can I really do it? Or how will I really do it? So from that seed planting, like what was it that made you go, do you know what, I'm going to make that reality? Was it that you were, um, you know, ready to, t- to do a business? Or was it like, do you know what, I can do this? Or was it the skills that you'd learned going, do you know what, I'm all in? Like, what do you think it was that actually made that? I think it's because I'm crazy driven. I've always been like this. I always want to be the best. Even when I got my job in Emirates, I thought I'm not going to be here, you know, just living the Dubai life all the time. I knew I had a friend that was already had been crew as well. She got all the way to first class, resigned and got a private flying job, making amazing money flying all over the world in a private jet. It was completely different to Emirates. So I think from then, that's when I, I was like, I have to get to that cabin, leave and then go on to a better job. And it was the same with El Couture as well. I feel like, you know, when, when I had that conversation with my husband about, oh, do you think you could do it? I thought... Probably not. I've got no business experience whatsoever. You know, I've been crew for the last five and a half years. You know what it's like when you're crew. I feel like it takes a slice of your brain away without being in that altitude all the time. But I just thought I'm so driven that I feel like I could push through it. You know, I didn't really have much, much guidance. And I knew that I didn't have friends that had businesses. You know, I didn't have really anybody to ask. I was just literally just using things like YouTube and Google just to watch other other brand owners give advice so that was it I feel like I just I was so driven I just thought once and once you start something like this I'm not the kind of person to just you know say oh you know it's not working I have to just close it down you just have to push through it so I feel like the fact that I'm really driven really helped Thank you everyone for joining me on this new year mashup on listening to what some of our favorite guests have to say. If you're interested in working with myself and Brand You Creators, our new website, then check out brandyoucreators.com and book in a call. Let me know what I can help you with, how our team can help you grow your personal brand and business for 2022.
Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode today. I'd love to know what inspired you the most. Was there something that was said? Was there a real takeaway that you're like, do you know what? I'm actually going to go away and implement this. Then if there is, head over to Instagram because I hang out there and I really want to hear what it is you say. Come and leave me a DM. Tell me the best part or even better, share it with a friend and inspire them too. We are growing weekly and it's all down to you. Thank you so much in advance. Reviewer of the week actually left this message and it made me so happy. Awesome podcast. Every episode gives me an insight into how I can grow my business brand and manage my life around this. Can't wait for the next episode. That was from DKUB2387. So they mean so much. If you haven't left a review yet, then please do head on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. And don't forget, be inspired and keep following your dreams. Until next time, bye for now.